Hey, good morning, good afternoon or good evening, depending on when you've tuned in to watch this edition of Hypnosis Week Live. Yes, it's me again, Alex Williams-Smith by birth, but better known to many of you uh, under my stage name, Jonathan Royal, the British bad boy of hypnosis and magicalguru.com. And I'm delighted to be able to bring you... All my guests have been amazing today, but um, I'm truly privileged today to be able to have on the show... The gentleman who is, this is not like, this is not some marketing angle. This is a provable, documented fact. He's the UK's best-selling self-help audio author. He has been awarded gold discs uh, for selling over a quarter of a million pounds worth of compact discs. Uh, I mean, you know, he's, uh, I know we've moved on to downloads and stuff, but I mean, what I'm saying is this man has achieved it on a massive, massive scale. And we're going to pick his mind, uh, hopefully, over the next hour to some insights into how he's managed to get to the top of the tree. So please welcome to the show, uh, coming to us live from Portugal, but originally from England, Mr. Glenn Harold. Thank you, Jonathan. You're all right, dude. Look, I'm going to give you the first question, which is the one I ask everyone. There was a time when you were not a hypnotherapist. Um, you had a life before that. You had a journey that brought you into this. What was your journey? What's your story? So back in the day, I was um, I started life. Uh, I grew up in quite a dysfunctional household and I had lots of problems. I used to run away from home when I was 12 and slept on the streets a number of times i got into drink and drugs at a young age i got kicked out of school ran with a bad crowd when i was young and so i didn't exactly set the adult world on fire when i got to that point i had so much negative conditioning going on that um the one thing i did do back in those days i joined a punk band when i was like 17 yeah, because it was like the Sex Pistols and the Clash were happening, and that that music spoke to me. You know, I was a, you know, young angry kid, and that that music spoke to me. So it kind of got me off the streets, got me into a band, and then within a couple of years, we'd morphed into more of a pop band, and we won the 1983 National Battle of the Bands, which was like the X Factor of its day. It was a big deal back then, and um, so that gave me like a a different direction you know I suddenly went in a much more positive direction you know I'd learned to play an instrument we, we had our 15 minutes of fame we did a number of tv shows we had Paul Weller came down to see us he was a he, he was into our music at the time but we never took off we never had hits so it all kind of blew out as quickly as it happened but from there I went and did you know later on I started to do the cabaret show I was doing gigs in pubs and clubs and bars and it was one night where we shared the bill with the stage hypnotist. And I was probably in my late 20s then. And watching this guy do his thing, it just fascinated me. And that was the epiphany. It was, you know, I wanted to do that. And it wasn't, it wasn't the um, entertainment thing. I wasn't drawn to the stage hypnosis thing. That wasn't, you know, I was still quite a shy sort of person. So it wasn't the entertainment thing that I was drawn to. But it was the healing side of it. It was the power of hypnosis to use for healing. So that was it. That sort of opened the door. And I did a two-year diploma in London uh, with a big college. And, and then they let me loose on the public. And I never looked back. I loved it. I loved, 
I loved healing myself of a lot of the dysfunction I had from my childhood. And then, you know, because I'd been on that journey, I then got good at helping other people. And so, yeah, that that was it. That's where I went. So, I mean, how... And obviously it's such an open-ended question, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not asking it to be awkward because it's like how long's a piece of string. But how did you get to be the UK's best-selling self-help audio author? How, how was that journey? Because I remember years ago, um, I was in Rochdale Town Centre and I was walking down a little area we call the Walk, and there used to be a little Chinesey shop there that sold little artefacts and stuff. And I looked yeah. the window this um, relaxation CD. Yeah. Named Glenn Harold on. It's like, bloody hell, that's shown up randomly in the shop in Rochdale. And I mean, that is years and years ago. That was the first time I've come across your name because I think that was even predating me having general internet at home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was very lucky because when I, when I first started, I was. Uh, seeing lots of clients you know I was seeing like 25 clients a week at one point okay so I was super busy and then I always had a little studio at home from my sort of musical days and it was one day I'd said you know I'm gonna record one of these sessions for my clients and it was literally that moment that I started recording and then I'd give it to clients and then I listened to it one night and I thought oh, that's that's not bad you know maybe I could sell it in a few local shops Mm-hmm. So I went around to local shops and I started, I made little homemade display stands and they were cassettes at the time. So I'd run off cassettes, duplicate the covers in on my printer at home, take them into local shops and, you know, lo and behold, they started to sell. And, and then I went to Barclays Bank, I borrowed a grand from the bank to get some nicer display stands done. And within like three years, before I paid this loan back, I had like five staff working for me and I was turning over like half, half a million a year. Or, and wow. my PA said to me, he said, what's this 36 quid coming out of the account every month? And I said, oh, that's the loan I took out from Barclays just a couple <laughs> of years before for the grand. Yeah. So it, I was very, very lucky. I was in the right place at the right time and there was a huge market for it. And I was kind of the first one to make sort of dedicated hypnosis recordings and and you know I used to phone up stores all over the country and deliver them into stores uh you know post them out and um I've got to ask you this because on that time scale it was 19 my research has it around 97 when you started putting the audios out yeah so about that time McKenna was also sticking out Paul McKenna was sticking out um audios as well he was mainly selling them from sunday magazines mail order at that stage yeah now on the one hand mckenna's managed to now become britain's biggest selling self-help print book author but at the end of the day you are britain's best-selling self-help audio author you've smashed that area of the market more than mckenna who at the time was on television so it's an even more remarkable achievement and i was seeing your stuff appearing in shops where at the time mckenna's was mainly being sold through sunday magazines and stuff yeah yeah i think um you know i don't i don't know mckenna but um he's uh 
I think his big break was the book. He sold uh, a million copies of I Can Make You Thin. Mm. That was his big break in that. But yeah, audios, I don't, I know, I don't think he's done, you know, sell too many audios. But yeah, the book was the big breakthrough for him. And um, yeah, I just kind of, I just had a knack for making the recordings. You know, that was my niche. Because I, I'd been into music, I knew how to produce and edit and, you know, make them sound half decent. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, by the time I started making them, I'd also had a lot of experience with clients. You know, I'd literally seen a thousand clients before I made my first recording. So I kind of knew how to make uh, good therapy recordings, knew how to mix them. And I think that combination helped me. And and then I just got very lucky. You know, wherever I put them, they always sold well. So you distributed them yourself? Yeah, I put them out. And then, you know, as as the sales started to take off, I employed other people. And at one point I had like, 10 girls working for me literally I bought a big warehouse down in Seven Oaks uh, in Kent and we had a staff of 10 you know when we were selling CDs there um, and it was full on you know it was full time and because I remember at one time seeing them in motorway service stations yeah we kind of got them everywhere at the time they were you know there were just a lot of opportunities because they were selling so well and the market wasn't too crowded when I started it was like, you know, if people could, you know, if they saw a cassette there for £10 or a CD, they'd buy it, you know, and it, to help them get to sleep. Um, and it was, a, like I said, it was quite uncrowded then, you know, and it subsequently it became a much bigger market. And now it's a huge market. You've got, you know, these apps like Calm and Headspace, which are billion dollar um, organisations. But I know the Calm apps, they say they're worth a billion Okay. So it's it's become like um, a huge industry and you've got these corporates now that have got involved and, you know, spend fortunes on marketing and it's a very different setup to when I first started. So I was kind of lucky to be in the right place, you know, to be one of the first in the door making dedicated hypnosis recordings when, you know, the market was there, but there wasn't many people doing it. So is so, it all downloads now or do you still do an element of physical product as well i still sell a few cds but it's mainly apps i mean the apps are you know it's it's you know a massive part of the app store now self-help and um you know and it's it's a nice way to sell because the apps i put out i've got free recordings in there and then a number of in-apps so if people like the free recordings and they connect with my voice then they don't mind buying the paid ones so it's a, it's a soft sell it's not the hard sell where you're trying to tell people you're the best thing since sliced bread yeah. you know it's like yeah if they like it they buy the paid ones you know so it, it's great yeah i love it so for people watching the fact is you are the best-selling uk self-help audio author so and well, people watching this could be around the world but i'm just for this example if you're not in england i apologize i'm just using this as an example um some people might be sat there thinking well it's pointless me giving it a go because he's a, he, he, he cornered the bloody market what's what's the point like what words of encouragement could you perhaps give them can I, I mean logically straight away i think well some people might be more attracted to listening to a female voice than a man mm. um so I, I guess there's a whole bunch of reasons why people should still perhaps give it a go, even though you are at the top of the tree. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge market. And, you know, I think, um, you know, if you feel drawn to doing that, you know, look, the key is to make something that's got, you know, it's got a good, um, good energy to it. You know, it's something that's really got a value to it. That's the key. You know, it's like, um, you know, when I make the recordings, I do put a lot of time and care into scripting them, uh, recording them. And, you know, nowadays when I started, I had like a cheap 50 quid mic and a basic compressor. Uh, but now I've got a, like a Neumann mic and, you know, a, a good uh, processor and all that kind of stuff. So I think, um, you know, it's worth really thinking about what you're doing and putting a lot of time and care into creating the product. And, and, you know, my recordings are kind of different to anyone else's. I always made recordings based on the therapy sessions where I was getting results. Mm-hmm. So I'd have five stages to each recording, you know, the, the introduction, the induction, the deepening, the post-hypnotic suggestions and the awakening. And I've kind of, you know, I've, I've adapted that a little bit for certain themes but that's pretty much it and um and you know i've also used music that induces certain states certain frequencies um i made a range of recordings called the solfagio recordings which were based based on ancient tones that gregorian monks used to chant so for example the first tone on that is 396 hertz and gregorian monks would chant that frequency to dispel fear so we made along with a friend of mine, I co-produced those recordings with a friend and um, we made six titles that based on those ancient frequencies. And, you know, they were totally, you know, they came about spontaneously. My friend actually used to run these amazing ayahuasca ceremonies that were just absolutely mind-blowing. They were so powerful. He'd spent time down in Peru with um, a shamanic tribe down there and the medicine that he used to get coming over was so incredibly powerful. And I experienced that with him one time. And it was like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. It was so powerful. It was like 50 therapy sessions in one night. Wow. It was incredible, you know. And the first part of that, I, I and it was really funny because when I took that medicine, I was, it kind of shows you your, um, it's very illuminating you know, your shadow comes up, you see this sort of, yeah, yeah, your shadow energy, which is often completely out of your conscious awareness, you know, and, um, you know, I've been a hypnotherapist for a number of years. Shadow energy, are you referring to what some people might refer to as the aura? It's more, um, what can you say? It's like um, the deepest aspects of our psyche, you know, the the darkness, I think, you know, and I'm trying to think of a good term in psychology to describe it, uh, but I'm I'm a bit out of that loop these days. But um, it's like your your you know in therapy things come up from the depths sometimes. You know these um, conditioned patterns of behaviour and things that hold you back. Yeah, that tends to be related, doesn't it? Yeah, they come into your conscious awareness and that's where the healing starts, you know, but they're very much outside your conscious awareness. So, you know, it's like uh, the shadow is the dark, the deeper, darker aspects of ourself. And I think everyone's got that. You know, there's I've never met anyone who's the got that Christ-like quality who doesn't have that. You know, we've all got that shadow. 
and so working with the medicine that first time you know that things come up within you and when they do you vomit you literally purge them out you're sick physically sick and and it's very cathartic and very powerful because once you're once they're out of you they're not um you know they're not running they're not running in the background they're not driving you so so for the benefit of people at home what i think i've just had you've just explained is effectively being given a shamanic medicine mixture yeah that you would take orally yeah that this is my deciphered observer i'm not poo-pooing it but that arguably could just be uh, 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 some form of hallucinogenic drug well, combined with something that will make you vomit that mm. the medicine man uh, or the situation the context of the ritual would mean that when you do get these images mm. and the physical action of vomiting is contextualised as having offloaded all these negatives so it's kind of a shamanic version of fire walking. You can move forward because you walk the fire. You've got I mean, rid of the. I, I did when I was younger. I did a, quite a lot of acid. You know, being in being <laughs> in a band and yeah. being I was very experimental with, you know, uh, what do you call it, recreational drugs. Mm-hmm. So I experienced a lot of that, but yeah, it was like thirty odd years ago. You know, but. The medicine, the shamanic medicine, is totally different. It's right. you still hallucinate and you go on that journey, but I think you have what they call negative hallucinations when you're on when you you go on that ceremonial journey, so that you're seeing things, you're able to see things that are really there for the first time. Whereas a positive hallucination is the opposite, I believe. It's where, like, when you're on acid, you see. Uh, lizards crawling up the wall and you see things moving around and you so you're having uh, they call them positive hallucinations whereas negative hallucinations are the opposite where you're actually seeing things that are really there you're in this sort of state so um, yeah because I had that experience and the um, contrast of you know what acid does to you I knew that I was seeing things that really were there right. I was visiting these altered you know these higher levels of consciousness they were absolutely mind-blowing and um and a lot of people you know the experiences i had are quite common when people take uh ayahuasca and they experience it and um and having the the shadow the darkness come up within you and you know and it's really scary because you're you're outside of your identity your ego you're way beyond that you're in your true self and um Yes, yeah, uh, you know, you almost feel like you could die. I mean, I felt like I could actually physically step out of this body and leave and check out okay. because you're in this very, very deep, deep state, you know. And it's it's something. It's it's not for the faint-hearted because um, it is very, very powerful. But if they say the the shamans say the medicine calls you, so that when you're ready you get drawn to it. And I was, when I read about it, I actually read about it in Sting's biography. And um, he was down in South America and he did a number of ceremonies. And when I read it, I was so up for it. I so wanted to do it because I'd been on that healing journey for a number of years and I wanted to go further. I wanted to, you know, get clearer and get lighter. 
because when I was young, I was, you know, I had, I had so much trouble and grief and, you know, I was into all kinds of things that messed me up. So I, I want to get clearer and lighter. And that was, that was why it called me, you know, because I could see the therapeutic value of it and the benefits. So, yeah, so that's it. That kind of echoes um, David Icke mentioned in some of his early books that he went and, I'm trying to remember off the top, I think it was something called Peyote. Peyote, yeah. Uh, the name of it, and he had he relates similar to the you just have, and that he yeah. had the experience of then coming back into his body type of thing and knowing that don't matter if people laugh at him type of thing, crack on and try and. and he had that. Truth. He said he had the download, didn't he? He got all the yeah. information and the knowledge from that from that opening. Yeah, from the so universal that, consciousness. Yeah. I mean, the rest of the world didn't respond to him that favorably because he was waking up in a time where, you know, people just weren't ready for it. The information he was putting out then was, Mm. um, you know, people weren't ready to receive it. But now he's sort of selling out 10,000 seater stadiums, isn't he? And people are. Yeah. Well, I mean, the evidence is there, as I say to people who, because there's still people who go, oh, what an utter. And I just say, look, Go and buy a second-hand copy for the sake of four or five quid on eBay or Amazon of The Biggest Secret, the book he bought out in 1991. But make sure you get one from 1991. Otherwise, you're going to end up reading it going, that's happened, that's happened. Oh, it's because he revised it several years later. No, you want it as it was when it first came out. And look at it and see what he said would happen and when he said it would roughly happen and how it would happen. And compare it to what's happened since 1991. And you can't do anything but go, either there are literally hundreds of coincidences here mm-hmm. or something more going on. I mean, he's been writing about a pandemic for years, isn't he? Saying mm-hmm. that they're going to, um, you know, wreck the economy through releasing a pandemic. And he said that that would happen. Hey, in um, relation to Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030. Yeah. Which is the time period of 2021. Yeah. To deadline of 2030. Yeah. Making so got, one world financial system and all that and everything's starting to happen. So we've got we fun few years ahead of us. It, 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 if, if, if his track record continues the way it has been, then yeah, yeah it looks like we could very well be heading to a one-world digital currency, cashless society. Yeah, yeah. Enforce vaccination so they can put RFID chips in people and track you. Yeah, yeah. All under the guise of helping people by giving them a guaranteed universal basic income or social credit system. Yeah. But if you look at China, they've got that. And if you step out of line, you lose social credit. So you go to pay for summer and there's nothing in your digital bank account. So they've got ultimate control. Yeah. Can switch you off at any time. Yeah, I mean, Ike, Ike's been saying that for a long time, hasn't he? And, you know, so that's, I think, now why people are so tuned into him, aren't they? I mean, I saw Eamon Holmes interviewed him recently. Mm, uh, yeah. You know, and he was taking him very seriously. And, you know, you think, wow, that's that's a huge step on. Because when he came out with Wogan all those years ago, he just took the mickey out of him, didn't he? Yeah. So I've got to ask you, because it's similar, but it's on, at the moment, we, the media, I'm not saying that the coronavirus, because we're speaking on the 26th of March 2020, in case people are watching this in years to come, just to put the historical element there. 
and there's this thing the coronavirus covid19 um without a doubt people are dying um but we can't be sure it's the levels they're saying because there's also stuff coming out saying that the majority of people who've died after getting it haven't died because of it they've died of something else and there's all this confusion stuff coming out which i think is on purpose yeah but people in confused disorientated fight flight freeze what the hell's going on please help me and that help is then suggested to them by way of Let's bring in an emergency coronavirus bill so we can take away your freedom and enforce you staying at home. And yeah. um, they've done it in Denmark, s- haven't they? They've already done it in Denmark. Yeah, well, they've done it they now. It's passed force. in England. Have they? Today's Thursday, isn't it? Yeah, today is the final rubber stamping, which means then, for example, under the Mental Health Act, you no longer need three doctors to uh, section somebody. One individual can go, that person can be sectioned. Yeah. So if basically if they don't like you, one person unquestionably can go boom. Yeah, that's scary, isn't it? Yeah. That's really scary because, you know, if you are a dissenting voice, if you're not buying into what they're putting out, they've got control over you. They can switch you off. You know, at the what, moment, have got bill, only yeah. one person needs to sign off on a death certificate. Now, right. during the well, this is in action. Yeah. Hang on a minute. One person, that means there's no question as to cause of death. One person. That's asking for trouble, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, that's it. We have this, we have this illusion of freedom, don't we? You know, Mm. because it looks like we can vote for who we want and, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, whoever we vote for, this, this just continues, this, you know, this step towards more and more control and, you know, yes. Yeah, now, on a brighter, more positive note, yeah. the point for bringing that up isn't to scare people, but fear is being used through the media to make people freeze and be scared. So when they provide yeah. the solution, they'll go for it unquestionably. But there is an alternative, and one of those alternatives is to go and see a therapist or mm. get recordings from somebody like yourself to enable them to be more calm and relaxed and eliminate anxiety because if you can overcome the stress the anxieties and all that kind of stuff you can help boost your immune system because that's the irony of this negative Mm. media publicity reacted to equals fear fear and stress and anxiety lower somebody's immune system and make them more likely to get this yeah it's crazy isn't it I mean, as I said the other day, you know, you can't, you know, the best thing to do is not watch the news at all. Agreed. And use the time, you know, to to use meditation or hypnosis and, you know, go inside because that's where your power lies. That's where your creativity lies. And, um, you know, as I said that I put up a recording on YouTube, the uh, 396 Hertz Solfagio meditation, which the Gregorian monks used to chant to dispel fear. And I'm pointing people towards that because if you listen to that for half an hour, it takes you out of your mind and you get into that state and, you know, where you're at peace, you feel calm and, you know, and also the frequency is working. It's magic as well. So it's a very powerful combination. The YouTube channel will be below this video when it goes live, along with his website links, but his YouTube channel, so you can click on it, go and find that and a whole bunch of other uh, videos as well yeah um excellent because yeah, that's what people need to do so right i mean 
Could that's I, I mentioned that just in case a uh, kind of member of the public comes across this. Although I know there's a lot of hypnotherapists out there who are suddenly scared in the sense of they can't go to the office, they can't see clients in the normal way, clients are at home, and I've been trying to encourage them, well, look, do Skype sessions or Zoom sessions, do stuff online, mm. grasp the opportunity. Now, if there's anyone who's a prime example of grasping an opportunity and getting out there and doing it, it's clearly you because you went out there, you flipping distributed your stuff yourself. Mm. What you don't need to, you're not, you're fortunately now in a nice stable position, but for the people who, who, who like suddenly it's all changed for them, what would yeah. your advice be to them, the therapist that... To build a clientele, to build up. I mean, my son, my son's uh, in his early 30s and he's just got his qualifications. He's just come through college and um, he's starting to do that. So, you know, I'm saying to him at the moment that if you, um, you know, you, you've got to, you know, think about your audience and think about where you want to go with it and, um, you know, because, yeah, Skype is the way to go now, isn't it? It's it's so easy to do a session on Skype. And um, but I think you've got to you've got to be, you know, it takes a number of hours to really get confident. I think uh, when you're seeing clients, you know, to get good, you have to because you come out of college or whatever, and you learn the skill. But then there's still an art in, you know, getting people over lifelong phobias and mm-hmm. getting people over all kinds of addictions and habits and it kind of, you need a, it's almost, I guess, like flying, you know, where you need a certain amount of hours under your belt to get really good at it. And um, so I would just say, you know, go out there and see as many people as you can, do discounted sessions. You know, I know friends who've worked in old people's homes before just to get the experience of seeing people and, um, you know, volunteer your services. Um, that can be a good starting point. Uh, when I first went out there and was promoting my business I started at a new clinic down in Sheerness which is in the middle of Kent and okay. and it was dead as a dodo I wasn't seeing anyone and I was really struggling and and sometimes I'd have one client I'd drive down there they'd cancelled and it was you know like an hour round trip and all that kind of thing yeah. but I went to the local paper and I said look you know I'm a hypnotherapist I've just started in the town would you do a little story and um, the lady that came to interview me she's you know, she was uh, interested in hypnosis. And so I explained all about it. And um, but she was quite sceptical. She didn't really believe in it. And she was look, kind of thinking that I could hypnotize her at any time. And so I'm thinking, oh, my God, this this is going to be a rubbish article. It's going to come out really badly. But as it happened, they put this piece in the paper. And at the time, I had a suit on, I had a little goatee beard. I was behind this bookshelf or in front of this bookshelf. And and it said hypnotist comes to Sheerness, and I and they caught me staring at the camera like the cat's eyes. Yeah. And it was such a powerful article, and I was inundated with clients. I literally had clients for about a year afterwards who'd kept the article and came to see me. Excellent. Um, and it so just launched my career down there, and it was amazing. And because it was such a powerful article, people were primed when they came to see me. So when they walked in, they thought this this is like this guy looks really powerful. He's going to be amazing, you know. And and I had one guy, he was a big Scottish fella and he wanted to stop smoking and he was uh, really frightened of hypnosis. And so I was chatting away to him, you know, put him at, putting him at ease and we were talking about football and because he was into football and we're chatting away and he said, uh, and all of a sudden he locked his eyes on mine and he went, he said, oh, he said, you're doing it to me now, aren't you? 
and he'd gone into the deepest somnambulistic trance I've ever put anyone into. And I hadn't even started the induction. Excellent. So he, his perception of what I was put him into that trance state. And um, so, and it was literally, I'd only just come out of college. So, you know, so I was, you know, again, lucky. I was very lucky that things worked out for me in the right way. And it taught me a lot, you know, that experience. It taught me a lot about hypnosis and setting the sessions up right. So I think, um, you know, it's all about your presentation and the way you put yourself across and, um, you know, and, and still, you know, if you're in a, an area where there's a local paper, go to the local paper and, you know, they always, they love quirky sort of stories, don't they? Yeah. So, you know, give them a good story. And, you know, I, I did a number of those when I started. I'm yeah. surprised there isn't more. I've been doing Google searches just to see who jump on the bandwagon. I, could, I did a Facebook Live a couple of weeks ago and I said, look, contact your local newspapers, give them a web by domain name, an easy to remember domain name that people can go to, that you can then forward that domain name to a Zoom uh, conference room. Because using Zoom, you can have up to 200 people online live at one time. Yeah. So by a cheap domain name, go to your local newspaper and say, look, uh, because we're all shut in the house, uh, next week on whatever evening, for so if it was Rochdale, I'd go for Rochdale residents and surrounding areas at 7 o'clock next Thursday, uh, go to, um, you know, whatever it, pinkfluffydog.com, whatever ridiculous domain you bought, mm. and live online, you can interact, make sure you've got your webcam and all this, that, the other, and then do a, 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 just like you would, a group hypnotherapy session, but over the internet for free. Yeah. And then obviously you can upsell at the end, you know, for this to be guaranteed to work for you. You need to listen to the order recording every day for 28 days. So if you go to this link below the video now, you can get it a tiny fraction of the price and you might make some money out of it. Mm. But what you would do is get loads of publicity in your local newspaper because it's your local if you live in that area. You're offering it free to people in the local area, so it's local interest again. Yeah. It ties in with a national news story, people locked down at home during the coronavirus. Mm. And all it's going to cost you is 16 quid, roughly, United Kingdom sterling, for your month's uh, use of Zoom, so you can have 200 people online. Yeah. And yet, cool. I haven't seen anyone doing it. If you, You've got to be creative with it, haven't you? Because it's one thing, you know, to come out of college you've got all your qualifications and you're ready to see people but then you've got to have a little bit of um a business acumen to get it all going you've got to think you know you because you're promoting yourself mm. so things like that are great ideas you know local papers are brilliant magazines you know sometimes you have to think of the story maybe something that's topical that you can go to them with that they you know they want to take on because they're always looking for stories you know, I, I, um, early on, I had the TV stations, local TV stations. And once I got them around to interview me in my room, you know, I had a little, uh, I started doing quite well by then. And I had a nice studio, good setup. Is you contacted them. Yeah. It's what a lot of people don't realise. They think, oh, I'll only end up on TV if they decide to, if they see me in the paper, they might contact me. But in actual fact, I mean, I was on this morning with Philip Schofield and uh, Ollie Willoughby. Ah, oh, right. A couple of years back. And yeah. afterwards, people said, how the hell did you land that? Yeah. And I said, well, 
I kept bombarding them with emails, suggesting ideas. And one day, it must have fallen into the hands of one of the researchers at the right time. And yeah. But if I hadn't have been bombarding them month after yeah. month with different ideas, it would never have happened. Yeah, yeah. What What did you do on there? What was the thing? Is a okay. thing or? Well, I, I I plugged the fact that I drink four beers and addictions and all that. I got that in, but the actual thing that got me on the couch, believe it or not, was um, psychic belly button reading. Psychic what? Belly button reading. Right. So they had me still, on still to look at celebrities' belly buttons and tell their future. Yeah. But because then I was on live TV and they couldn't stop me from saying whatever I wanted, I did plug my website for therapy and everything else. Yeah, yeah. You've got to fill your boots. Yeah. The thing is, that that's it, isn't it? And they're always looking for something a little bit different, aren't they, these, these shows? So, like you said, if you hit them with 100 ideas, one might stick and they'll take that. So, Which, yeah. Push my brain to remind me, celebrities, TV and stuff. You've got loads of celebrity endorsements. Yeah. Uh, which which is bloody fantastic. And obviously that's great social proof in, and people buy into what celebrities say. Yeah. Do you know what? Almost all of them came randomly out of the blue. And yeah. literally they, like Lindsay Lohan tweeted one day that she'd used my recording. You know, wow. to six, six million followers. Someone said, oh, you won't believe it on Twitter. Lindsay Lohan's tweeting about you. And, um, you know, just recently, Lucy Davis out of the office posted something on Instagram uh, that she was uh, goes to sleep with my recording every night. And nice. so I've been I've been so lucky with celebrities just saying stuff at random. And I always get in touch with them and say, do you mind if I use this? And, um, you know, I've, I've had more than the quotes I've got, you know, probably double that. But some, cause some have said no, you know. So, yeah, it's just been luck, just pure luck, you know, where they've listened to a recording and, you know, then, then they're, yeah, it's great. Excellent. So playing devil's advocate for some of the people at home, and there'll be some experienced therapist even, I see on the internet and they go, audio recordings, they don't bloody work because... There's no, there's no human interaction. You're not there in the room with them. Well, clearly, you don't get to be a best-selling self-help audio author without, you know, getting repeat business, without getting good feedback, mm. which means the product has to bloody work. Mm. Um, so what's your view on that age-old argument of, well, it can't work as well as actually being in the room with a the therapist. Because personally, I think that's nonsense as long as the person buying it believes. Yeah, I think um, there's no substitute for a one-to-one -one session. You know, if you're with a client, you can be very specific and very personalised the session. Um, you know, and but as I said, you know, by the time I started making recordings, I'd seen a lot of clients. So when I made the weight loss recording, I knew... You know, I, I had so much experience in that area that I made it very generalized and, you know, hopefully able to reach as many people as possible or impact as many people. So, you know, for things like sleep and relaxation, you know, the recordings are fantastic because, you know, you're in the privacy of your home. You can just get lost in it. You feel very safe. And, you know, it's not too difficult to make a recording to put somebody to sleep. You know, it's a gradual uh, process where you you wind them down you take them out the monkey mind and 
give them lots of suggestions for feeling relaxed and switching off. And um, so they're the recordings that tend to work the best. And at the moment, the sleep recordings are my biggest sellers because, you know, everyone's struggling to get to sleep at the moment yeah. because we're all on devices too late. And, you know, people's bedrooms represent, look, you know, often look like um, entertainment centers, big old plasma on the wall and hi-fi system speakers. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to sleep there, not, not entertain yourself. So, um, yeah, I, I always encourage people to, you know, focus on that, focus on it being a bedroom, you know, for switching off in. And uh, so, yeah, really, you can, recordings are, you know, when people have got headphones on and they're, they're in their own space, they feel very safe naturally. Mm. And the recordings are structured so that they do gradually guide them and lull them into this very safe space. And um, and when people are in that safe space, they're receptive. They're very receptive. And I've always used this technique where I, uh, you know, sort of three quarters of the way through the recordings, I use these affirmations that echo from one hemisphere to the other, you know, from the left to the right. Oh, okay. so, yeah, disorienting. Yeah, and to really take ownership of them, you know, to really believe it and repeat them. And, and I think, yeah, you know, having that little flavor to the recordings works really well because people take on board those suggestions and ownership of them you know and as you know when they do that they work you know later on in their everyday life they're responding to it mm -hmm. so yeah it's um they can work just as well there's sometimes you know where a client will use a recording and um you know they might have a really deep issue something from their childhood that's you know not going to work with a recording they need to go and see someone you know to get to the heart of it you know to really work on the root cause of it and um you know there's that there's no substitute for that well i guess when they've had your recordings they'll they'll logically contact you uh yeah i do i get some you know every day i get loads of messages it's it's great and but i don't tend to see people too much these days you know i'm kind of I live in, in Portugal and sort of semi-retired, I suppose. I still, you know, and I'm very busy with the recordings and, you know, I've got a, a book coming out probably later this year. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of busy with other projects. I'm in a position where I can ch choose, pick and choose what I want. So I'm, you know, kind of in the twilight of my career, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, that excellent that's you you put the graft in to get there so you know yeah that's that old saying it took me what 20 years to become an overnight success <laughs> yeah um i'm just looking at my notes here because i've got bullet points written down um yeah i'm gonna clarify i mean this is just a random one this is more of interest to me but some people when they go and visit your website links below this video uh mm. will notice that on there it says that you were made a fellow of the british society of clinical hypnosis yeah and when i saw that i thought hang on a minute i thought they only accepted doctors and uh, dentists and stuff the british society of clinical hypnosis i do you call that one off I, I, I've got um, a friend who works in the college who said that he was putting me forward. All right. And, um, yeah, a lovely fella called Tom Connolly. He's, he still works at the British School of Clinical Hypnosis. And um, I think they have meetings every so often and they put names forward to become fellows in the organisation. Um, he put me forward and 
God bless them. They they gave it a thumbs up. Excellent. Good so again, man. I'm lucky I didn't do anything to get that. I'm I'm very fortunate. Well, you did because obviously I've got a funny feeling the fact that you uh, were out selling everyone else in terms of self help audios might have contributed to that a bit. And I did always use their name. You know, I used their initials for a long time. So yeah. Right. So so yeah. It's again right place, right time, and that's. But you know, going back to you saying what what advice would you give to people starting mm. out? And when I first started, I used to visualize that I was in the right place at the right time. That was one of my big things. I'd always do these affirmations because up until I was thirty, I'd I'd never had a proper job. I was driving mini cabs, playing my guitar in you know bars and clubs. I could never fit into the mainstream. I, you know, I was kicked out of school when I was 15, so I struggled for a long time, you know, and I was always broken. So when I got to, um, you know, when I got the qualification, I became a hypnotherapist. I was constantly affirming that I'm always in the right place at the right time. Abundance comes freely and naturally to me, and I did that religiously. This, these affirmations that when I was driving my cab, I was doing it at quiet times and. And I kind of immersed myself in that whole abundance thing because I was, I was by then, I was so fed up with being struggling and being broke and, you know, not making any headway. So for me, it was a really big goal and I wanted to, you know, just, just have a little bit of success in life. And so I, I was constantly doing that. And I think the inner work I did was as, as important as the outer work, you know, mm-hmm. putting myself in the right places. So again, you know, use what you've learned. If you've uh, got the hypnotherapy skills, you know how to do self-hypnosis. Use that to affirm that you're abundant, you're successful, you're, you know, you're always going to meet the right people, and you know, and it happens. You, you know, because they're just programs in your unconscious mind that you start responding to, you know, and 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 that happens, and then you do. You know, I I got so lucky so many times when I started out, and and I'm I know for a certainty it was because of you know that those affirmations and what I was putting out there, you know, it just works works like they say it should work. Yeah, so it's not luck then. It's that moment when preparation meets opportunity. Yeah, exactly. It mm. was luck. I kind of created my own luck through doing that. Yeah. You know, but anyone can do that. It's not a, you know, it's just putting the graft in, like you said. Where do you see? hypnotherapy self-help well no self-help covers too much of a wide bracket because this is hypnosis we will say specifically hypnotherapy industry Mm. where where do you see things in sort of like 10 20 years time i mean it's become um much more mainstream you know in the last five ten years isn't it it's gradually Mm. getting you know because i remember when i started you know you'd meet people that were you know, they'd find out you're a hypnotherapist and they would think you could do all kinds of things at any time. You know, I'm sure you've had it. Yeah. And, um, you know, but nowadays you don't get that so much. People are much more clued up on what it actually is and or have experienced it in some way. Um, so I think, you know, it's just going to go more mainstream. There are going to be more therapists and, um, you know, they say that, don't they say there's more hypnotherapists in the UK Per head than anywhere else in the UK, anywhere else in the world. Sorry. Probably. You know, because there's lots of training schools. There's lots yeah. of you know, it's had a lot of exposure there. Um, so, 
yeah i mean it's um so you've got to kind of work to find your niche haven't you you've got to find your own speciality and i think that comes back to you know where, what are you good at what's your sort of you know inner talents where do they shine is it you know i always kind of like the idea of you know going into sports you know that would have i'd have loved to do that you know work with the top sportsman and mm-hmm. and um yeah that was something i wanted to I, I nearly did actually back in the day i got um a call from uh, a manager what's his name phil brown he was the manager of hull for a while when they were in the premiership they were they were in the premier league and he'd, he'd moved on to derby and um he called me up and he said oh he said i he said, do you think, you know, he didn't, I said, I don't know much about it. He said, but do you think you could help the lads? You know, they're struggling a bit, you know, with sort of near relegation zone. He said, could you help them? Mm. And um, I said, yeah, you know, I could work with them and get them in the zone so that at three o'clock when they go out, they're sort of really focused and, you know, they can achieve a peak performance at that time. So again, we, you know, arranged it with him, spoke to his PA and he was going to put me up in a nice hotel up in Derby and, I was going to go into the dressing room after their game. They were playing Sheffield Wednesday, go into the dressing room, meet them, and then stay the next day and hypnotise them in training. Mm-hmm. And I was really excited. You know, I was so looking forward to it. And um, they, they played Colchester in the FA Cup at the weekend. who we were a lower division team. They got knocked out. He got the sack on the Monday. Oh. So welcome to the fickle world of football. But that was going to be my introduction into that world, but it didn't quite happen. But I think he he got to the point where he was so desperate, he thought, I'll try hypnosis. I'll, I'll hypnotise them and get them out there. And But yeah, it didn't quite Should happen. Should have got you in sooner. You might have started. Yeah, another week before, and I could have turned it all around. Uh, what a bugger. So sometimes, yeah, these opportunities come along, and it's either it either opens up for you or, or it doesn't. But it's that thing that you said earlier, put yourself out there, spread yourself far and wide, try lots of different things. Mm. and you know it only takes one thing to stick and open up and then then you're off you know you're you're off and running yeah i've just noticed it's been there all the time but i've only just noticed uh to my left so that'd be to your right behind you you've got a guitar on the wall i can see a guitar case there i know you've got the music background you still do you still gig at all do you still no not really i've got two little kids now i've got two kids of five three little youngsters i've got an older lad who's in his early 30s but um no i've gone around the block again and two little kids so that's high up there so they can't get their hands on it right it's a nice guitar i saw um noel gallagher had that guitar and it's it sounded so sweet i saw him playing it and i thought i've got to get it it's a it's a lovely gibson semi-acoustic um but no occasionally i release songs you know i've um released a couple of songs a couple of years ago with a guy called Dean Groom, who's a hypnotherapist down in Bournemouth. Oh. And um, yeah, he's a very, very good singer as well. And he wrote to me out the blue one day and um, and sent me one of his demos, his music. And, you know, I, I loved his music. And so we released a couple of songs a few years ago and we've got in touch again recently and we're going to re- release something this year. So um, I was going to start it now, but it seems the wrong time to do it with everything else going on. But I, I, I still love that. I still love making music and recording and you never lose that. You know, once once you've done it and, you know, you've, uh, you know, 
I think having that little bit of success in my late teens, you never quite get it out of your system. You know, it's always, I'm still trying to have that hit single. See, I suspect that's what part of the element of why you've been so successful. Not just, I mean, obviously there's the technical side, like understanding how to do the recording. But from the other side, the musical background, hypnosis is about rhythms and also manipulating emotions with positive intent. And music, you have rhythms and it prongs people's emotions and stuff. Yeah. You, you were kind of already using mm. the techniques within your music, I guess, before you were ever hypnotising people. Yeah, well, it's um, it's not a big leap, you know, from being a musician and writing and creating to, you know, becoming a hypnotherapist and then making recordings, you know, hypnosis recordings. And, um, you know, when I made my first recordings, I'd often use songs that I'd written and strip them back a bit and then use them as like the introduction or somewhere in the, the actual recording. So I was kind of, yeah, I had the sort of raw materials already there to do that. And uh, yeah, I've never, I've never really planned anything and I still don't, you know, I still tend to sort of, you know, just put out a good intent all the time and know that life will deliver back, you know, deliver what I'm putting out. It's the law of attraction. It's, you know, what you're putting out will come back to you. And I've been a real firm believer of that from, from the beginning and, um you know and it's that that works for anyone you know i honestly think if you you know use self-hypnosis with the law of attraction that's a really powerful combination and you know whatever you want it will come back to you you know i saw jim carrey did you i don't know if you've ever seen that this clip i saw it the other day when he was a struggling actor Mm. he wrote out a check to himself for 10 million dollars and he put it out there to the universe. He was going to earn $10 million on a film. And he was broke at the time he did this. And he, but he'd visualize it every day. You know, imagine taking the check to the bank and seeing the money in the bank and spending it and all this kind of thing, having the car. And he said it happened. He did it. You know, his first big film break, he got a $10 million check. And, um, and they said, what did you do with it? He said, I gave it to my dad. <laughs> he obviously liked his dad and got on well but oh yeah and he said you know he'd done it since he was a young kid he said a teacher told him about it when he was a youngster and he said you can have anything you want if you imagine it and visualize it and um and he said it was hardwired in him it was just in him to do that and he and he believed in it he bought in the concept and so you know yeah it was a natural thing for him later on to do that kind of thing and you know, I mean, he had a bit of raw talent, which helped. Oh, yeah, it does help. But I mean, you need to, you need to be in the on. I think you need to be in the right direction. You know, you need to be, uh, you know, working with your own strengths as well. You know, it's no good. You know, I, I'd love to have been a footballer, but um, not. Yeah, up and, I mean, NLP. Oh Christ! In NLP, they have this modelling, or as I call it, copying. The yeah. idea that uh, possible in the world, possible for you bullshit i'm sorry one of the biggest lies in nlp that people get suckered into is the idea that everyone is capable of achieving to the same level as 
everyone else mm. in the same context or category. Yeah. Um, I mean, aside yeah, from the yeah, obvious, but... if you've not got legs, you're not necessarily going to be the best runner. Mm. But aside from that obvious, I just... just you've got to have the raw material and you've got to have the talent and you know again i think that's why you know using self-hypnosis is so good because when you go into that state your talents come can mature they can blossom they can come out and you start to remember what you were good at when you were a kid you know what were your what were you a natural at you know what was your you know what was easy for you and then you know it's funny because people always used to tell me when I was quite young that my fortune would be my voice. And and it's really weird because when I was young, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. And when I was young, I was really shy. I was, you know, very, very shy. I was, you know, I used to thought I was a little tough guy. I'd run, run around in gangs and got in all kinds of trouble, but I wasn't tough at all. I just thought I was and pretended I was. But, and I... I couldn't, I was very stuck in social situations. And even, you know, like the band I was in, the, when we won that competition and we did a lot of interviews, I, would, I could never speak. All the boys in the band would speak on interviews, but I just shy out the back. And I, I was literally blocked. I just could not, because I was so lacking confidence and struggling. So, but people, you know, people used to say to me, you know, even mediums in that said your future is your voice and I didn't get it I didn't understand it because you know I was always struggling I couldn't speak yeah. so it's um it's strange that that did happen you know my voice became my career but I was getting told that even when it didn't look like it was you know even though it was you know looked like the most unlikely thing which is you know, so I think, you know, that's what, yeah when, you go, yeah. yeah, when you go inside, you find these things, you know, these things, the real you comes to the surface, it comes out and you do start to find your direction and it's sometimes your ego can drive you in a certain direction, but it's not the path, it's not the right path. It's like, to give you another example of the ayahuasca, when I was in that, when I was in the first time I did ayahuasca, I kept seeing this, um, and I just signed a, a, a massive book deal with Orion. I was, I was, I had a choice between Orion and Warner Brothers, and I actually, you know, the two of them were in a bidding war for me back in 2006. So I was, again, so lucky. I was in the right place at the right time. Got this massive book deal, and I was, um, you know, being again pushed right to the forefront. You know, I was, and it was around it was soon after I did this ayahuasca ceremony, and I kept seeing in this ceremony myself like this american game show host and it was like i was in a it's armani suit and i smiled and i my pinged you know like you get yeah. those things. and it was this really cheesy image of me and i'm thinking what's that you know that's not, that's not me and i and i was i kept saying it's not me i'm not like that mm. but it's weird because i was heading down that road without realising I was kind of being pushed down that road. Right. But I was going down this sort of cheesy fake road that wasn't me at all. And, um, but it came up in those, you know, it's like out from my shadow, I was being shown. And, mm. and it was kind of a warning not to go down there, not to become that fake person that you're not really. You know, it all looked nice. The showbiz thing all looked nice and it all looked glamorous. And, 
you know, for some people it, it works, you know, some people do it and they, it does work. But for me, it wasn't the right thing. And um, so it didn't work, you know, and it wasn't, but it was, it just blew my mind that I was getting shown that I was getting seen that and it was like a warning. Don't, that's not the path for you. And, um, you know, so from the depths of our subconscious, from the depths of our shadow, we've got all the answers. We've got everything we need to point us in the right direction and to find our true vocation, our true niche in life. You know, and for me, I've been so lucky that it's selling so many recordings so easily, you know, mm. without... I've been very, very lucky all the way, you know, got onto Audible at the right time, got onto the App Store at the right time, and, you know, sold millions and millions just through, you know, what you'd say is luck, but it was... I think there's probably a lesson there for people, I've just noticed something important, for people at home, keep an eye out don't wait to follow what other people are doing if a new social media platform pops up mm. join it and start plugging your services on there even if there's currently not really an audience on it because it can suddenly snowball and take off and if you were there first you're more likely to then have a decent foothold yeah yeah it's that that thing isn't it it's um there's always opportunities you know it's like you can look and think, oh, that's that's all been done. But, you know, we're, we're living in this digital revolution that's you know, it's bigger than the industrial revolution. It's massive. It's transforming our lives. And yeah. and there's still going to be opportunities in five years time, 10 years time, you know, things that are going to we can't imagine now that are going to be opportunities for us. So we, we live in this age of opportunity. You know, it's a very stressful time to live as well. You know, so much chaos and fear in the world. Yeah. But it's also an incredible time as well with opportunities and, you know, we've got, you know, far more, I've got so many more opportunities than my grandfather ever had. You know, he worked in a factory in London and all his life and he got a gold watch, a watch at the end of it, not a gold watch, just a basic watch, never had any opportunities to do anything else. You know, a few generations later, we've got all these opportunities. So for anyone starting out, yeah, just you know, find your niche, find your thing and, you know, put yourself out there. That's the key, isn't it? Yeah, excellent. And I think, you know, that is a wonderful point to, uh, we've just literally just gone over the hour. So that, that, that worked out good timing. Yeah. People at home, look below this video. You will see a few links. You will see a link, uh, well, a couple of links to uh, websites where, the audio products are so you can go and have a listen. Uh, there's more on uh, background and history. There will also be a link to Amazon where there's books. Basically, look below all the links you need to get in touch with Glenn, to get his audios, to get his books and all that stuff. Um, thank you so much for your time, sir. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Jonathan. And, uh, yeah, take care, and I look forward to seeing what comes next, because, I, I, you know, I, what's your next book going to be about, by the way? Um, the title, we've not completely confirmed it, and I've not actually signed a deal with the publisher. The agent's talking to the publisher. We're going to speak to them soon. But it's probably going to be uh, an abundance book, like, like what I've been talking about, abundance, how to find your thing in life and how to, you know, be out there with success and abundance, that kind of thing. So, no, yeah. I look forward to it. But in the meantime, look at the links below. Thanks, everyone. See you again soon for another edition of Hypnosis Week. Bye for now.